Welcome to episode 143 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Matt Casal. Hello. And Ian Sharp. Hi, folks. Isn't it kind of hard to come in third? No, I had a good time. I was waiting for it. I was ready. All right. I pounced on it. Ian is going to be our new resident caboose. Coming in (laughs) the rear. (laughs) The juice and the caboose. My man. Did you like coming in second? Was that like a I, gratifying I, experience? I did like coming in second. Yeah, all right. So dirty. I don't think of things like that. I was clean up. I just cleaned it right all up. I this. think of things like that. I get it in there immediately. Boom! In this intro gangbang, if you will. All right. Let's start over. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it is Monday night. March 7th, and tonight we're going to talk about DC's Rebirth and the titles and creative teams that we want to see in late May when these books start rolling out. Nothing's been announced yet. We have a list of titles that DC is going to be coming out with, but no creative teams have been announced. We're going to let DC know our opinions. We expect them to listen, take these opinions to heart from true fans that are the ones paying their bills the ones that they should uh, that they said in jeff john's heartfelt video directed to us the fans we're the ones we're giving you some feedback we're letting you know when you come out at WonderCon to announce this just play the mcsauce comic book podcast you'll be uh the fans will love it they'll be like yeah, yeah that's exactly who we want raging applause Mm. They'll have to bring in and hard ons. They'll have to bring in security to stop the applause, because you know, honestly, I believe fans would listen to what we have to say and be like, "Yeah, that's better than anything DC's done in the last two, three years." Matt, with a silent agreement over there. So why don't we jump into housekeeping? We changed up the intro. Is housekeeping staying the same or? Is Matt handling housekeeping tonight? Matt, do you want housekeeping? You can do it. Sure, I'll do housekeeping this week. Ian, Ian, do you have any notes? I have no notes. Go ahead. All right, so just kind of back me up. Be my spotter you totally tonight. You fucked him. You, you guys might want to visit mixos.com. It is the greatest website in the history of the internet. Ever since Al Gore created the internet back in 1990... Uh, 90, two? 90. Let's say 1990. Nine, I like that. 1990. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the internet was kind of like shambling along, kind of like a George Romero-style zombie, until 2011 with the Genesis. Is that the year? I don't know. With the yeah. genesis of uh, mixos.com, and the internet was changed. 2008. That's when the website started. That's not when the website started. That's when we started doing. We started it. It was doing 2008. Comics when did 2008. the website start? Let's say 2011. That sounds good. I like it. It feels right. It sounds right. Right. <laughs> if it feels right and it sounds right, <laughs> damn gonna, it, it must be, be right. right. So uh, back when. Uh, the mixos.com website started, that's when the internet changed forever. You all felt it out there. You know that there was a tangible difference. You could almost taste it in the air. 
Tastes like McSauce. It does taste like McSauce. And what can you get that tastes like McSauce on McSauce.com? You can get comic books reviews. You can get uh, comic strips, two of them a week. You can get a podcast, one a week. How many reviews are there per week? One. One. There's one comic book that's reviewed <laughs> per week. Well, there's there's Ish. three to five comic books reviewed per week, depending on depending on our schedules or how late we were out drinking Saturday and Friday night. But normally, three to five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So look for that on McSauce.com. It's all there. Uh, Ian, do you have any other things you'd like to plug here in housekeeping, or do we cover it all? We'll just go, you know the drill, people. Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, and for those old classic episodes, the ones that your grandmother is like, I remember when I used to listen to McSauce, you can go to mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com. Solid. Paul, what are we talking about? Tonight we're talking about our preferred creative teams on DC Rebirth books coming up this summer. That sounds really interesting. Nothing's nothing's been announced, but we've got some opinions. We've got some high hopes. We have writers and artists that should be on DC books they are not currently on, or writers and artists we want back. We probably have some Hail Marys that aren't really going to happen, but that's what we want. So we might resurrect some creators from the dead. Who knows? Nobody well, knows. We're probably we're not necromancing we're tonight. What? The necromancy free mm, on the podcast. Unfortunate tonight. for the listeners. So all 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 of those in the audience expecting Jack Kirby to rise from the dead. I had my dark arts to, already <laughs> to write the Hellblazer coming in, in May. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Who would know better than a a recently deceased artist or deceased a while ago, you know. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> if Jack Kirby came back from the dead to write The Hellblazer, I'm pretty sure it would be the most informed issues. <laughs> the most accurate. <laughs> of Hellblazer or Hellboy <laughs> or Daredevil <laughs> that we've ever seen. <laughs> so... Matt and Ian, why don't, why, don't, why don't you guys dispute over there? Which Who, who wants to start? Which artist would we which, bring back from the dead? Which, uh, well, which Mobius, we I mean, like, he has... Is he dead? He recently died, and so he has a foot in current events as well as the underworld. So, so he, he can hasn't, come back. He hasn't fully passed on yet. I mean, I think he died maybe last year or so. I mean, he's... He's been down there for a minute. How the fuck did I miss that? Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of porn that you watch, sir. Not not no, current events, maybe? But anyway. That's not wrong, but I, I feel that my Twitter feed keeps me updated on important things. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. Who, deaths. who else possibly has passed away recently that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But we do have some living creators that I think would lend a hand to this rebirth situation. The three of us talked about certain books and certain creators before we started recording that we'd like to see. Ian, what creator would you be most excited to see 
get on one of these books come well, come the summertime. I had a, I had a creative team in mind. Uh, the book that I picked was Wonder Woman, and the creative team that I selected was Gail Simone, famous from her previous run on Wonder Woman, Secret Six. She also did some Birds of Prey work, and has been uh, hailed as a as a quality writer. Nicola Scott also is the uh, is an artist from Secret Six fame. Has done some Wonder Woman work here and there. Also did the New 52 Earth 2 um, uh, version that recently came out. I, I can't get past the image of Wonder Woman when she came onto the panel in the Secret Six run that her and Gail Simone did back in the day. Just the, the weight of the character, the power of the character... Uh, the um, I know we've, we've talked about this before the fact that Nicola Scott draws Wonder Woman as she looks like she's ethnic she looks yeah. like she's from Greece and I think that that's a point that gets kind of waved over or passed over in a lot of uh, artists when they, they just kind of draw a pretty girl and I think that that's kind of doing a disservice to Wonder Woman um, I know I've, I've probably championed this teaming before but that's who i would want to see on this book not from i mean there's there's no particular story line that i have in mind there's no particular villain that i have in mind did you read gail simone's run on wonder woman i did not i had just heard that it was really good you probably heard that from me because I it would, was really good i would imagine that i did and gail simone did a hell of a job mining the mythos she kind of pulled Jeff Johns. I know a lot of people love Brian Azzarello's take on Wonder Woman, where he was like, all that stuff you know about Wonder Woman, get it out of here. We're focusing on Greek mythology. All that stuff you may have loved from the history of Wonder Woman, from the uh, William Marston years all the way up till now, outie. We're doing what we want, focusing on Greek mythology, and it was good. I enjoyed quite a bit of Brian Azzarello's run, but... Um, Gail Simone really pulled the Jeff Johns card with Wonder Woman. Uh, the way Jeff Johns did Green Lantern Rebirth, he took all of the key, all of the key mythology from the entire history of Hal Jordan, and lined it all up, made it all make sense, fit it all together, and that's kind of what Gail Simone did with with Wonder Woman. She took all this history, all this different history from all of these years and folded everything together and with Aaron Lepresti on art who also draws Wonder Woman a little ethnic not as much as Gelsum not as much as Nicole Scott but Aaron Lepresti draws a hell of a Wonder Woman and that team together really built on her mythology her background Themyscira it was the Amazon war arc is that right it was before it was arc. before oh, okay. it was before that but it was it was everything leading into that but they built up themiscara and who the amazons of themiscara are and you know certain wonder woman villains uh a new villain i can never remember her fucking name she had spikes and you couldn't see her face but it was all spun out of the resentment that the amazons felt over well why does hippolyta get a daughter but the rest of us don't. And, like, there was this whole honor guard 
around Hippolyta that turned bad, that, you know, caused all this havoc on Themyscira just because Hippolyta got to have a daughter. And it was this really rich history that was contained in Themyscira and about all these characters. And it worked it worked so well, not only building on Wonder Woman's history, but but including all of the Justice League stuff and Steve Trevor and like every, everything, you know, Gil Simone did a, a wonderful job and nothing, I've never enjoyed a Wonder Woman book more than I did her run. And I kind of even like the way that, uh, like I enjoyed the Brian Azzarello stuff. I like yeah, that it was, it was a little bit separate from the DCU proper. Some of the but greater... to, at a point it got too separate. Yeah, I, I mean, so I would agree to, like that. issue 30 and you haven't seen one other DC character. I think it was important at that point point in time of her history to kind of, you know, rebuild that foundation of who she is. Um, I didn't mind them changing a little bit of her origin and, and introducing Greek gods and things like that because those th- those things are important to who that character is. So I, I didn't um, I didn't mind any of that. I'd like that folded into the whatever new version we're going to get the rebirth version. I'd be okay if some of those things were were in place. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense for the character that if she's going to be so powerful and have all these abilities that she comes from Greek gods. But in a, in a way, it's like, well, oh, I don't know if you can just gloss over, oh, where'd she come from? Oh, her dad Zeus, next. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, uh, the, the brakes squeal at that point. We're like, how are we going to just... Just, just or Dad Zeus, that's it? You're yeah. done? We're not going to dip into that? And maybe they will in the in the movie and keep a lot of that Azarello stuff, but the way the way Simone did it, it kept it about... It, it was about Wonder Woman. It wasn't about her parentage or her... Or where she came from. It was about who she is and who everyone around her has been... In her own timeline, it seems like the movie's gonna just kind of like grace over it and get right into her conflict with protecting the world of men, even though the world of men isn't. It's a terrible place where people are just ripping each other apart. Um, and what is redeemable about this place, and why? Why would she save these people? Yeah, and I, I from the brief brief clips we saw from the movie i think i think it could be pretty cool but i, I would love to see uh gail simone on on a wonder woman, wonder woman book and i'd love to see nicole scott come back i don't think she's done a dc book in a while uh, i mean she was on earth like i mentioned before she was on earth two a while ago but other than that i mean she is one of my favorite artists of all time she really is and i'd like to see her on more influential books than earth two you know, like get her on something proper that really lets her talent shine. Yeah, Nicola Scott is a way better artist than to be relegated to Earth 2. I feel about her in the same way that Sarah Pacelli kind of has these books that she's on. And yeah, she's on Spider-Man now, but it's it's not Peter Parker. I'd like to see Sarah Pacelli do... Peter Parker, proper Spider-Man. I don't know what's going on in fucking Marvel Universe. I don't know if Peter Parker exists or not. I doubt He does. It. He does. He plays a prominent role in issue two of 
the Miles Morales starring uh, he's, Spider-Man. Uh, he's black, right? I should read that. But it's you should. But it's not. Uh, yeah, I mean Peter Peter Parker's in a weird place. Yeah. And 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 the Marvel U. But I, I feel like when the more we talk about these books and what artists we want to see, we're gonna get a lot of. I wish they'd leave Marvel and come back to DC. Like I don't know what you Nicole always Scott's feel that doing. way, but I I I think that she's at DC. I I don't think that there's this gigantic shift of talent that it's an exodus to Marvel and Marvel has all these fucking great artists and writers and DC just has scraps. I don't feel that way. There are three artists that I will speak of tonight that are all in Marvel right now. Okay. Why well, wait? Your uh, your speakage. Okay, Matt. What are you What are you doing? I've been awful quiet. Been awful quiet over there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was taking it all in. Uh, now that I have, I would like to double back and talk Wonder Woman for a second, because that was going to be one of the books that I was going to pick a creative team on. Let's do it. And I thought uh, an interesting creative team, well, actually it wouldn't be a team, it would be one individual uh, who writes stories about women and also draws them, and that's Terry Moore. Terry Moore is a really accomplished artist who probably draws like better facial expressions than anybody in comics. I feel like Ter- Terry Moore is a more realistic Frank Cho. A lot of Frank Cho's expressions and figure drawing are really exaggerated, but Terry Moore really really hones everything down and really draws a realistic figure a master of the nuance yeah like i i've never read any terry moore books but i've seen enough terry moore pinups and artwork that that dude can draw some shit rachel rising is a really good book rachel rising is awesome um which makes me feel like terry moore while i would love to see him do a take on wonder woman because for me you know, the the exploration of Greek mythology and uh, Wonder Woman's past with that versus, you know, the more superhero-bent nature of, like, Gail Simone-style Wonder Woman, none of them have ever resonated with me. Like, I want them to. Well, maybe if they approached it in a maybe a darker kind of way, like, and they gave Terry Moore free reign to come up with something different, that could be cool. Uh, so I decided, you know what, I don't want to throw Terry Moore out, but now that we haven't mentioned it, maybe maybe Hellblazer would be a good place for Terry Moore, but I had a different creative team. So what I, what I want to do, I have to find a place for Terry Moore in DC Rebirth, so I'm going to put Terry Moore on Superwoman, because I don't know what the hell Superwoman is. They mentioned it, and I don't, like, do you guys know what Superwoman is? I don't know what Superwoman is, but Terry Moore can draw women, and I guarantee you Superwoman is about a woman. Terry Moore can draw women, can from all that I've read, he can write women. Correct. That's true. Absolutely. And, um, you know, typically Terry Moore comic books are black and white. I would insist that there be color here, but but I want to see him tackle a, a mainstream character. Granted, I don't know anything about Superwoman, but you get what I mean. Mainstream comics. And uh, I think it could be really cool. The last, to the best of my knowledge, the last Superwoman that was in DC Comics was when 
They brought New Krypton back. Uh, they rebuilt Kandor in an opposite orbit of Earth on the other side of the sun. And one of one of the L descendants wound up being Superwoman. But I, I, I have a feeling this is going to be a brand new character. Uh, brand new origin. And it has the potential to be pretty good. Granted, we're probably just getting Superwoman because the copyright on that name is coming up for expiration and we need to retain it. We being DC. Right. But a book like Superwoman in today's climate of more diversity, a female-led book, uh, such an important brand, the the super brand, um, I think this has the potential to be an incredible book. So if if Terry Moore was on it, I'd eat it up in a heartbeat. Because one of the things I haven't liked about Terry Moore is that he's always done creator-owned stuff. Mm -hmm. A little off-the-wall But what what a better opportunity than putting him on a character that isn't even known. It could be a brand new character. This is like a great opportunity to establish this character in his own vision and, and bringing his, like, trademark style. It would be such a refreshing... Uh, well, breath of fresh air. Yeah, Terry Moore on, on, on Superwoman. Just a, a whole handful of unknowns. It creates excitement on its own. Well done, man. Thank you. Uh, well done. There's plenty more where that came from. Hmm. Plenty more. Are you looking at me? Is it my turn? It is your turn, yeah. <clears throat> well... Why don't we why don't we stick with the super theme? Okay. And let DC have another run at Superman and making Superman good. Are you Are you implying Superman isn't good right now? Superman has sucked since the new 52 started. When was the last good Superman arc that you you remember following? Art? Arc. Arc. Sorry. It was Jeff John and Gary Franks arc where with Gary Brainiac? Frank drew with yeah the Brainiac it well, was, that was the, the first only time, part and then it went into yeah. the Legion stuff that which, was the only time that I liked the Legion like I think the Legion of Superheroes is fucking stupid that might I be hate, one of my favorite Superman arcs of all time and I hate the Legion I hate the Legion as much as I hate the new gods was that the, the series when Clark shared a root beer with his dad on the farm that was the Brainiac arc yeah yeah where Gary Frank drew them sharing a, a, a beer, an alcoholic <gasps> beer. How dare they? And DC, you know, put up the red flags. And I think the original, I think there was a, a small first printing that actually got out with them drinking a beer. And then DC was like, uh, cut it. And every printing after that was root beer. Because heaven forbid, you know, Superman drink a fucking beer. He's Superman. He's not even going to get drunk. Now, uh, Pa Kent. I'm sure he got tanked. Total alcoholic. Tanked. Probably bent Ma Ken over that night. Because when Pa Ken gets drunk, he likes it doggy style. <laughs> yeah? So, like, that that was that was the last Superman arc that I really enjoyed. It was the Brainiac story, the Legion of Superheroes story. <laughs> I think we know why you liked it. You don't have to try to explain it anymore. <laughs> <sighs> 
but one of one of the artists before that, and this is one of the artists I was talking about, was the art was done by Carlos Pacheco. The writer was Kurt Busiek, and they had a they had a pretty healthy run on on Superman. And for, it was for the uh, listeners at home. How would you describe Carlos Pacheco's art? Any any similar artists? Any similar popular uh, artists? I, I don't know. I feel like Matt could probably look at this and, and pull a better name out of the air. I'd say he's maybe a more... Very similar to Ivan Ivan Rias. But, uh, like... It's a pretty classic style. Uh, the way he draws Superman. He really gets Superman's bulk right. I feel like, you know, the way he draws the weight of the character. Yeah, it kind really of good. reminds me a little bit of an Andy Kubert. Yeah. See? That's what I'm talking about. Matt knows what's up. I agree with that 100%. What I also loved about this run on the book was the colorist. And I don't know who the colorist is on these books. It tells you right in the credits. But I didn't look at the credits. But everything's, everything's Stewart. very warm. Everything's a little muted. Uh... Everything has a, a very artsy style to it. Uh, I'd love to see Carlos Pacheco come back. You know, he's done a handful of different DC books before the New 52. Um, I don't know where, where he's at now, what he's doing. I think he was doing some Marvel books for a little bit. Uh, but I'd love to see him come back on Superman. Because yeah, I... his, his Superman feels definitive. It, it, to me, it feels like an updated John Byrne. It's... Superman. It's the Man of Steel. You look at that character, and there is no doubt. You could even paint the whole costume black. You know who that is by the physique and the way he's drawn. I'd even go. I'd even go with a subdued Andy or uh, subdued Joe Cusada with some of this stuff, like some of the line work on this, some of the decisions. Less with... blacks, Joe Cusada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not. <clears throat> heavy noir Joe Quesada but panels like this like that, yeah there's that a kind of there's a certain like what Ian for the listeners um uh, we'll we'll put it up on the page there's a certain warm quality to the artwork between Carlos Pacheco's pencils and Dave Stewart's colors that even in the bright lights of Metropolis makes it still relates the down home quality of Superman's character, mm -hmm. that he's the country boy in the big city. At heart, while he's doing all these huge feats as Superman, he's still a normal guy. Uh -huh. And I, I, I always felt like, you know, reading this arc, everything related back to who Superman is at his core. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see Carlos Pacheco come back and do that again. Uh, I'd love to see Peter Tomasi get on. Who's who's writing it? Peter Tomasi. Peter Tomasi's done uh, some great Green Lantern books uh, during the same during the same time. Kurt Busiek was writing the Superman. Peter Tomasi was on Green Lantern Corps. There's never been a better Green Lantern Corps run written. Period. I agree. Peter Tomasi. Even though I've never read it. 
Peter Tomasi was yeah, you're not going to get any, any fighting from us right. on that. I feel like he wanted a fight, but no, 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 I, don't, I have I don't, no bullets. I don't do that here. I don't do that here. It seemed like you were trying to do it. Peter Tomasi was able to wrangle the ensemble cast of the Green Lantern Corps and really make every character matter, whether it was Guy Gardner, Kilowog, or Salak, like anyone. He really gave everyone their just due, much like, you know, the... The Rebirth name, which is essentially distilling all these characters down to the core of who each of the character is. Peter Tomasi did that with, with the Green Lantern Corps characters. But that doesn't really speak to one singular character. Which is why I would like to see him get a chance. Because he also did it with Batman and Robin. Mm. In in the new 52, he wrote the Batman and Robin the the entire run where there was Batman and Damien, and then Damien gets killed, and then, you know, you see uh, the seven stages of grief that Bruce goes through after his son dies, and Peter Tomasi was really able to find the what I feel is the core of Batman. Reading Batman and Robin, written by Peter Tomasi, was like reading the adult version of Batman the Animated Series. What happens after the animated series. It's not Batman Beyond Way in the Future. It's Peter Tomasi's Batman and Robin run, where everything is a little more mature. Bruce is a little bit older. He's he's allowed to feel different things. He's allowed to portray different things because we're in a different medium. We're not writing a cartoon for kids anymore. Uh, the way Patrick Gleason drew that art, very much like an adult version of the animated series. And I'd love to see Peter Tomasi get a shot at taking Superman the Animated Series with Carlos Pacheco and distilling all those characters, the whole world, Lois, Perry, Jimmy, Brainiac, Lex, everyone, down to who they are now, so many years later, in an adult role. Do you think that we're going to get anything like this? And I know that we're talking about that. No! No way! None of these things are going to be even close. No way, because the Uh, things we're saying are awesome. Yeah, but... There will be a handful of books that right out of the gate are are pretty good, and we're like, oh man, did you read that? That was pretty good. But I I don't know. I I almost feel like, especially reading this last Bendis Spider-Man issue, I'm... I'm almost worried that comics are being written for a different audience than us now. Yeah. There are some things that I fucking hate. I've been having that realization, too. I I think that they're too big. They're writing for a mass audience, whereas where they were successful when I liked them, they spoke to the audience that cared about comics and didn't need to be wrangled so much (laughs) while they did have chrome covers and die cuts and things like that the things that really kept the readers were the stories and the characters and the heart was still in a lot of those books even if they had double stamped variant covers and all that nonsense and all of that has been lost with luckily how big and popular comic book characters have become with the movies and tv shows and things like that but Unfortunately for the actual characters that reside in the lowly, lowly comic books, they're just subjects of whatever's happening on silver screen and small screen at this point. Yeah, and there's... 
I feel like there's a lot of difference in the with with the Marvel books because the current Marvel books aren't doing anything that the MCU is doing. Um, you know, they changed Falcon's Star Wars Cap, completely around. Thor's Jane Foster. Oh, well, I mean, don't you think that fairly soon Falcon well, Captain, Anthony Mackie is going to be having a shield pretty pretty shortly? Or is it going to be? Bucky. Um, I I don't know, man. I I think it's probably going to be Falcon. I just do. Just the way things well, are going. Yeah, but, I mean, Captain America's dying. Chris Evans. Right. Chris Evans, Captain America. Spoiler alert is, for anybody out there, but he's going to make it out of Civil War. But like, he's, I don't think so. Do you think so? Yeah, I think he, I think really? I think they're going to save that death. For, really, I don't for think Infinity so. War Part One. Well, no, because. I think he's going to die in Civil War, and then you bring him back for Infinity War. He only Chris Evans only has a, a few movies on his right. contract, so like you got to save him. Uh, I think I think he, I don't think the movie world, the MCU, is ready for comic book death. I don't really? think I don't think they're ready That's for interesting. Why? Kill Cap and Civil War, bring him back in Infinity War. Even Why? Though, even though we have, uh, you know, a magic infinity stone that can make it happen. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like even even the great powers that be at Marvel, Kevin Feige is probably going to... I think he's even going to pump the brakes on that yeah. one. Yeah, okay. It just seems too, too crazy for the MCU yet. Especially since they haven't done anything of... They haven't done anything with real consequences. They haven't done anything of note. So even if they kill Cap in Civil War, I don't think they're gonna bring him back. Then maybe you get Bucky or Falcon with the shield in Infinity War. But I, yeah, I, I don't think no. They, I, I mean, don't they, think they absolutely want to bring them back. They absolutely kill them and bring them back. Like that's definitely what's going to happen, man. You heard it here first. Ian says no, or Ian says yes. I, I, I can't, say no. Place your bets. Yeah, I mean, I can't guarantee that he's going to die in Civil War, but he will die before the Infinity War. I think that he will die in Civil War. I just I just do. Um, I think that that's the way that that story goes. Matt, what do you think? Well, I was kind of wondering why you guys are so sure that he's going to bite it. Um, because in the story, Civil War, not in the proper, but... Directly after the fallout of Civil War, he does bite it. Correct, but obviously this isn't an exact translation. It's not. I mean, and Paul's saying he's going to bite it in Infinity War. The the economics of his um, contract also call for, I think he only has one movie left after Captain America Civil War. Right. So... And I that think, would be Infinity War. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think that... And I think that who who would you bring back? You already have it set up that you're going to have this double movie where you're going to need some catalyst to really surge the heroes on in the second film with whatever they're fighting against. Who's better than Captain America to represent everything that's good about the heroes in the Marvel MCU? I think that that's a logical way to write that story. I could be wrong. I'm not a great writer, but I think that that's a good way to, if you 
if he perishes and then he comes back with the Calvary because it seems like the Avengers proper are breaking up right now. You're having Thor go off. Ragnarok is going to be happening. Uh, the Hulk is joining him with that. If Captain America and the Iron Hulk's Man... Hulk's going to be in Ragnarok? Yeah, that's, that's been confirmed. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, Why don't they give that character his own movie? I feel like I Mark know. Ruffalo has nailed that character... They kind of figured out exactly the way that it needs to be played. It's time, man. Maybe they're thinking that a small dose or a, or a side role, a, a co-starring role, is best for the Hulk. They've already tried two starring roles and it hasn't worked out. But his really great shining moment was in an ensemble piece. So maybe, you know, ensemble, co-star, that's the way that a little is best with Hulk. Maybe. <laughs> I've never known Hollywood to hold back on things that they feel are successful. Yeah, um, I agree. So when you, something is a little bit successful, you you keep doing it until you kill it. Uh, and, and you do it as big, hard, and fast as you possibly can until you kill it. And um, we know the Hulk has been successful in Avengers. It's time. It's time to... to blow him out into his own thing. I don't understand the logic. If We're sort of in, in an unprecedented area with the way that Marvel movies are being made where they're all interconnected and they're all kind of considered... I mean, they're considered one big movie, don't you think? Or one big franchise. I mean, you know, the way that Thor connects to the Avengers, connects to Captain America. They're certainly totally connected. And they feel like they're becoming more connected than ever. So you, so maybe they feel like, well, we don't need to offer up another Incredible Hulk movie because we've seen it fail. People love him as another, a character. We'll get him in these other movies. Well, like, it's okay, not like let, he won't let's be, be fair, in movies. Let's be fair. Only the Ang Lee Incredible Hulk failed. The the Robert... or the um, Ed Norton. Ed Norton one wasn't a failure. It just wasn't like Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's fair. And, and it was... Pretty good. I liked it. I think it could be great, uh, given you know the kind of the the refocused uh, treatment of the Hulk. If I they... I bet if Ed Norton would have hung around and they didn't change actors, that movie would be more widely folded into the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Could be. Could be. It's it might not be looked at as Iron Man. But right. maybe Thor The Dark World. Hey. Still counts. Iron. Quality movie, right? Ed, but yeah, Ed that Norton, movie always gets, put, gets brushed under the Ed rug Norton and I think I it's unfair. was a good Bruce yeah, Banner, too. I agree. I agree. Uh, that movie is not a terrible movie. I still think that Mark Ruffalo is the quintessential Bruce Banner Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Ruffalo's a little, a little better. He brings... Yeah, I feel like he brings more of that... That, He's uh, got some sad science quality. Oh. I I was gonna say I think he brings the sadness that we're used to from the '70s Hulk series that a lot of people like with their Hulk. You know, I was actually thinking about that series this week. Does anybody know why they changed his name from Bruce Banner to David Banner for the uh, TV show? Because the TV producers thought the alliteration was too comic booky. No, uh, seriously, that was the reason. I, I also heard that Bruce was thought as too gay of a name 
That's what I. That's I what never, I heard. I never heard that. It's that's out there. Which is why, like on the gr- on his gravestone in the show, his name's David Bruce Banner. Like still honoring Bruce Banner, but yeah, the alliteration was too comic booky. Yikes! Or maybe it was too gay. <laughs> it was the seventies, man. You know, they didn't like that alliteration of Bruce balls in your butt. Balls in your butt. That's intense, man. Ian, do you have any other uh, comic books that, uh, for the DC Rebirth, that you have applied a creative team to? I have a couple here. Um, Let's hear them. Give them to the listeners. They're waiting with bated breath. Go. There's, there's one that I didn't want to step on your toes for, but I do have Matt's a, toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought it. I just it just it's came cool. up. But yeah, no, do it. Do it. I'll do another one. I'll do it. Do it. One. Do it. Do another one. No, you do yours, and then I'll throw my creative team out for it. Okay. Um, it's a little, it's a little weird and off the wall, but it's a creative team that I really like, and a brand that I like. I'm not necessarily sure that it'll match up. I know you said that you wanted to take Hellblazer, Matt. But do it. I thought that um, the Lock and Key creative team of Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez could possibly do. A really cool. Maybe it's not the darkest thing on earth. May because um, Gabriel Gabriel Rodriguez isn't a dark illustrator. I I mean it's not a lot of. He's not he's not a dark illustrator like. It's not like a lot Alex of blood and gore or things like into, that. What's happening here? But as soon as we start talking Hellblazer, the lights start, start flickering. flickering. Yeah, it's really weird, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but um. Yeah, that doesn't mean Gabriel Rodriguez can't draw dark stuff. Because Lock and Key, there's some fucked up yeah, shit. There, there's a lot of disturbing imagery in Lock and Key. Joe Hill can really nail some very, very mature and disturbing themes. I think it's sort of like an out of left field kind of thing. I love that team. I love Lock and Key. Um, a great book series if anybody out there wants to get into comic books or doesn't know where to start with comic books and likes things like The Walking Dead or things that aren't um, your traditional capes and tights, Lock and Key uh, is is really a, a place to start for you. And that, and that's kind of where I would go with this. Um, it's it's I, I'd love to see more from them. I, ha- I really haven't. Joe Hill has written The Cape. I also know that he... There's something that you read, Paul, that Joe Hill writes. Is that right? No? I thought... Uh, no, are you thinking of Coffin Hill? That's what I was thinking, but that's somebody else, huh? Yeah, that's... um. Oh, Anaki Miranda's the artist. And I can't remember who the writer is. Uh, but yeah, different... That, that's who the, I thought the book, it was, yeah. the book is called Has Hill in it, Coffin so Hill. Yeah. Not written by Joe Hill. But yeah, that's a, that's a good pull. Like, I, I think I'd really like to see... Joe Hill bring his mainstream mainstream sensibilities to one specific character. If we're giving creators, if we're doing out-of-the-box kind of creative teams, I think that this is a non-DC, this team has never been associated with anything close to this. I think it would be an interesting take. Fans would be excited to see it. With the success Lock and Key had, and I mean, I mean, picking a creative team like this for a DC Rebirth book is 
swinging for the fences, and that's like that. DC can't even afford to bring someone like Mahmoud Azrar back. He launched the new Fifty Two with Supergirl. He's one of my favorite artists. Like I really like his stuff. They can't even afford to match Marvel's salary for him. Do you think that's the no problem? way they're gonna bring back? No, I, I don't think it's the sole problem. I mean, DC has, you know, DC has a long history of editorial mucking up the works and you know making it hard for creators to really create which i don't understand like i I understand when someone leaves dc and then they go do some crazy shit at image or idw or wherever i get that i don't get when someone leaves dc citing editorial mandates and then they go to marvel which is nothing but you need to fold all your stuff into this next event and your heroes better fight because that's what we do. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, so it's got to be it's got to be the money. You you think so? Man, I I just I don't know, man. I have a hard time, especially since DC has I Marvel has iconic characters and everything, but I I would imagine that people would want to work and play in that universe with Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. I don't yeah, I don't I don't know what Mahmoud Azrar is drawing in Marvel right now, but he was on Supergirl at DC. And I'd love to see him on something else. But maybe maybe he got a higher profile character. Or not even a higher profile character, but someone some character. That he just like really that. wanted yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. What a good pull. I would I would get that book. Um, I think it would be really interesting. I've been really enjoying the Lucifer TV series. Uh, Tom Ellis is brilliant. Uh, the chemistry between him and Lauren German. It's a really cool show. So I've far. watched the first two episodes. I wasn't really taken by it. It's okay. I like the premise. Yeah. It's fun, but... One of the running gags that that I love is that um, Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer, he'll pull some supernatural shit, and someone will look at him like, well, how, how'd you do that? And he just says, well, I'm Lucifer. And he's so straightforward about it. Like, he doesn't... He never lies about it. He's like, well, I'm the king. How? That's why. And everyone just looks at him like he's crazy. And like it's such a funny gag that's been going through the whole the whole show so far, but it's it makes me want to get the comic that's been recently that came out, you know, in you know, in tandem with it. Mm-hmm. But I know it's not going to be it's not going to be the same. So I, I haven't done it. From what I understand, the comic's better, isn't it? Oh, really? My sources tell me. <laughs> Dominic. No, no, I have, I have other sources. Sources that I don't even know. Huh. Yeah. So, Paul... We're, we're going to have to talk about these sources. We, we can talk about them. Paul, what what else? What else do you have to pull out as a uh, creative team that you, in your wildest dreams, would come together and... Can, can I interject for a second? Yeah. yeah. Let me give you my Hellblazer oh, yeah. team. Uh, so I, I like yours because I, I, while I haven't read um, Lock, and Lock and Key, I've heard nothing but really positive things. I think you would like it. Yeah. Though. So the artwork, on the other hand, that kind of threw me a little bit, but it's 
it also seems as as weird a kind of a juxtaposition against the writing of a story like Lock and Key that it doesn't exactly make sense. So maybe it's that that the way that the story plays with that artwork that makes it work so well. I don't know, but it's like salty and sweet. Exactly. So uh, I think that that's a a good pick, and I would probably pick that comic book up. I would also pick this one up. What if it was written by Jeff Lemire? We love Jeff Lemire. We're a Jeff Lemire house here. We are. Yeah, we no, all have absolutely. Jeff Lemire tattoos, I think. Yeah, we, we, well, I was going to say t-shirts. I don't know if we've gone that far. Uh, you know. But Jeff Lemire worked on... Well, he worked on Justice League Dark. And he was the writer that introduced uh, John Constantine into the Justice League Dark series. And it felt like when he took over on that series and brought John Constantine in, that's when the series kind of turned around. What I like about him on this is that you take out the ensemble cast and you let him focus on one character, which to me, what he has done with Bloodshot Reborn and focused on that one character, I think it's incredible. I think that when he can focus on that character but still infuse like his his dark um, concepts and, and just kind of overall like spooky atmosphere that he brings... Like, think about what he brought in uh, The Valiant with um, Mr. Mr. Flay and bringing creepy shit in into, um, into Hellblazer like that. I want it to be terrifying. And I feel like this is the guy to do it. You know, the, we're, we're talking hell and demons. Let's make this shit scary for once. And then I thought a great artist to pair with that would be uh, this incredible artist. I don't, although he would do an issue and then flame out because he's he's so good. <laughs> but like, let's say he could do twelve issues. Okay, this is our dreams, our right. wildest dreams, where people have work ethic. Right uh, now, this guy, his name is Lee Bermejo. Uh, hmm. He is a really good and detailed artist. You'll typically see him doing covers for things, uh, but the the book that actually like kind of springs to my head is uh, a Batman story that that, uh, it was a hardcover book it was called Batman Noel which basically told the story of um, A Christmas Carol but with set in the Batman universe Um, and he wrote it and he illustrated it and it was phenomenal. The way that he builds worlds I feel like I would love to see him kind of like you know, draw these cities and, and just dark alleyways, but, like, have them, like, almost infested with things from hell. It would just be incredible. So I feel like that would be a spooky, scary book, and I want to see that. It's a good pull. I would definitely buy that. Jeff Lemire has a lot of crazy fucking things going on in his head and everything that remember, I've ever read. Remember what he did with Animal Man with the new... Fi- One of One the of shining favorite, beacons yeah. of the new 52 was his his run on Animal Man. There were a lot of good things at the jump-off point for the new 52. There were a lot of books that, started, I, really, yeah. that I really liked because it Me seemed too. like they had a really focused idea it, it seemed, of what they wanted from each book. Now, it seemed to me like editorial got in the way. You had creators jumping ship. You had guys that just weren't sticking around on books. And the buzz online was you had a lot of unhappy creators. Yeah. And it, it seemed to me like, hey, editors, back off. Let these guys do what they do. That was something we talked about 
was it last episode or the episode before where we were talking about how with DC Rebirth, am I putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable there? Rebirth? Yeah, I call it Rebirth. Rebirth? Instead. Rebirth? Rebirth. Green Lantern Rebirth? Rebirth. The, the syllables on You birth. do whatever you want. But anyway, in that series, rebirth. or in Rebirth, it's like... Now it sounds you gotta, weird. You gotta let these guys. You gotta let these guys do what they do, and let them tell their stories. Uh, and if you do it, you might have some really great stuff that lasts longer than. How how good was New Fifty Two? Nine months until you started to feel like. I think you got a really f- uh, a full year out of all the creative teams before you started to really oh, see a. a come on. A full year? I, some, I, I, I thought, some, I thought some books were bad right out of the gate. Some were bad out how of the about gate. The, how about the good ones? But the stuff that was good was good for quite a while. But, well, what are you talking about? Some books were bad right out of the gate. Super Which ones? Bad. Horrible. Nobody right gives a shit about that. I, don't, I didn't buy it. I Detective don't care. was pretty bad out of the gate. Batman was really well, good out of the gate. Well, you know what? That's thing. not true. Detective was good the first issue, but it quickly spiraled out of control. It was by Tony Daniel... And it was the issue where Joker cuts his face off and he leaves it hang. That was the splash Which was page. a big Holy point shit. of the, the story of Batman. Right. But a, not Detective. Amazing first issue. Right. Incredible cliff. You're like, holy shit, the Joker cut his face off. I couldn't believe it. But then several issues into it, you're just like, I don't think I understand what's going on here. This isn't a very well told story. There are a host of really good books right out of the gate. Batman was really good. Justice League Dark, as you mentioned before, Matt. Swamp Thing was another one. The Flash was a Justice really great League book. Justice League was pretty good. Wonder that, Woman was really good. Justice League Flash. was really I good. I loved Flash. Yeah. I thought Flash was so good. Aquaman was really good. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah. there were more books than not that were really good. All-Star and Western. Swamp Thing. Did you mention that? I Animal did. Man. I did. Um, Batgirl was good. Nightwing was good. Like... And I hated the concept of, oh, Batgirl's fine. Remember how she got shot through the spine? We're not even going to address it. She can walk again and fight crime, no big deal. But it was still really good. Vampire was really good right out of the gate. Nobody expected that. But the uh, Green Lantern continued to be good out of the gate. The focus was there. It seemed like, looking back, they talked to the creative teams and they were like, hey, would you like to do this for a year? And everybody signed on for maybe a 12-issue run. And then after that 12-issue run, their contracts ran out. And maybe they didn't want to do it anymore. I wish... My hope for Rebirth is maybe that they will get great teams that will want to really build a... Not just a foundation, but add layers to the character. And work for years on these characters. They're great characters. I would want to work on... I don't like Superman... If somebody told me I could work on Superman for years, I'd fucking do it. Like, I want to be part of that history. Yeah, and it, it's not even about... I guess to a point it is about adding layers to the character, but like I said, Rebirth at the core is finding what makes these characters tick. Distilling everything down to why these characters are so good. Why they've lasted so long in the first place. Even someone like Aquaman that gets shit on by the general public thanks to Super Friends, the girl that toasted fish. Like, that's a really good character. Jeff John's run on Aquaman was incredible. Um, and that's a layer. Jeff Maybe. Parker, the guy that followed him up, did just as good a job with, with Aquaman. 
gave Aquaman so, a whole a, a, a team to run that yeah like I, I don't like there's there's potential I don't think DC is going to do it uh, I think they're going to announce they're going to announce these creative teams and they're going to take all the mediocre writers and artists that have been around on, for, for the new 52 and they're going to be like oh here's Brett Booth on this book and here's Robert <laughs> Venditti on this book and here's uh, Tyler Kirkham on this book and here's all these other mediocre creators and they're going to present it like oh it's great but they're never going to be like here's Bill Sienkiewicz drawing this would you want you know, Bill Sienkiewicz to draw any I wouldn't but it, it's a name just an example big name they're not going to be like Neil Adams is going to be doing this or Joe, Joe Casada is doing this or Todd McC- McFarlane's gonna be drawing it. Like, it's not you gonna don't be. Know who is, who he is? I got some other name stuck in my head, but like it's not gonna be that. It's gonna be, oh, get ready! Here comes Howard Porter. <gasps> who the fuck cares? He's terrible, terrible. Don't play like Howard Porter's good. Why don't we? But do, why don't bring, we? How about you bring Ed Bennis back? Get Brad Meltzer back on a book. Like, get some real people that did really good things. You know, get Tony Daniel on a monthly. Yeah, Ethan Van Skyver, he's been on the show. Like, he's good, but, like, he's not... He needs to be doing something that's befitting his nature. And I feel like DC's just going to throw out a bunch of names, and we're going to be like, oh, these are the creative teams? <laughs> Why don't we do a quick lightning round? Like we we just talked at length about some some creators, and I think that we were pretty we were kind of close with a lot of the things. Do we want to do one more quick like who your your dream of the 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 furthest you can dream? Who could be out there that could be a creative team on a DC book? Is necromancy on the table? Uh, yes, necromancy is on the table. We have those powers here. You can do that. Paul, since you want to raise the dead, clearly, who would you put on a book? Uh, I'd put Jeff Johns back on Green Lantern oh, to, write, to rewrite the ship. Uh, to Are you absolutely... killing Jeff Johns first? And then... <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't need necromancy for my ship. I'd put Jeff Johns back on Green Lantern so he can erase all the horrible things that Robert Venditti did. And that's a tongue twister, um, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it, all the things Robert Venditti did. Yeah. It sounds like a killer song. That's all the things I've done. That's the killer song. I know. And yeah, and it was Carlos Pacheco on the first couple trades of uh, of that came out after Green Lantern Rebirth. So no necromancy needed. Jeff Johns, Carlos Pacheco, back on Green Lantern. Rewrite the ship, get everything moving in the right direction, and then hand it off to someone that's not Robert Venditti that knows what they're doing. Matt, go. Uh, So I thought we got to address Batman. Batman's got to have a creative team. Who's going to do it? Um, Well, who can draw Batman better than anyone? Jim Lee. Frank Miller, Todd McFarlane. That would be pretty cool. Uh, 
That, that's what I would. That's my call. <laughs> Todd, Todd McFarlane on Todd Batman. Todd on Batman. Fucking awesome. I mean, we've say? seen it before in his infant stages back in the 80s. That would be cool. Okay, so Todd McFarlane on Batman on Detective Comics, Bruce Tim. Oh. <laughs> Bruce Tim. Paul D.D. writing? No. You guys are going to think I'm fucking crazy. I'm putting Brian Michael Bendis on Detective with huh. Bruce Tim. That's weird. Don't you hate him? Kind of. But. Like 100%, but you definitely do. I think, I, I okay. I think he can, first of all, he needs to distance himself from Marvel, okay? I need him doing something that isn't Marvel. Batman's a good start. And Batman is kind of the closest thing I can think of in, like, a mainstream DC world compared to my favorite stuff from him, which would be Powers. Coincidentally, Michael Avon Oming is kind of a protege of... Bruce Tim, like very similar styles. So I'd like to see a very gritty and almost adult-oriented Batman written by Brian Michael Bendis in a very similar way that he writes Powers. Maybe not quite as far, pushing it with like all the sex and the over-the-topness. Like, don't push it for the sake of pushing it, but don't be afraid to have some R-rated stuff in there. And then I would juxtapose that with Bruce Tim artwork and we know Bruce Tim's no choir boy when it comes to drawing certain things right like tits right and so, bush so picture <laughs> picture him drawing like poison ivy like that like there could be some cool shit going on bushy yeah, ivy daddy. Harley bush daddy likes it mm. bush woman That's interesting. The only yeah. the only uh, reason I would balk at that, Matt, is because of that Shutterfly Follies book that you liked, where right. the by Jason sub- Little the subject material was pretty pretty hardcore. Yeah. While the art was very cartoony, and it didn't work for you. It didn't work for me. I feel like you can get a Bruce Tim pinup with some suggestive pointy titties. And it's fine, but in the course of... What are those titties suggesting, by the way? That, they're, that you know, gravity doesn't exist. That they're ah. going to poke your eye out. Okay. Uh, or your tongue but, right off. Oh, my goodness. Per, like, personally, I, I would want the art to more reflect. Totally understand. Story. Totally understand. But the reason why I feel like it can work uh, is because I'm, I was thinking powers, but I was just moving it over into detective. And... Um, like, it's almost like Michael Avon Oming is kind of like the fake Bruce Tim. Let's put the real Bruce Tim on the real Batman and let's have Brian Michael Bendis do what he does best. I love I love the Bendis call because I, I feel like we'd get to see a different Bendis. Yeah. Um, you know, Powers is his own creation. He's been doing it forever. He gets to do whatever he wants. Um, he's essentially king shit at Marvel. Gets to do whatever he wants. But... There, I, I feel like if you put him over on DC on a character he hasn't done a lot, it's a different character, someone he doesn't own, and he's going to have editors over top of him. I think that's really going to spur a different Brian Michael Bendis story. I would really be excited to see that. Me too. Yeah, good call. If I had to pick, I think that I'd like a, a really gritty version of Suicide Squad with Mark Millar 
John Romita Jr. Right out of the kick-ass frame of mind, all of that weird Millar-verse stuff that he's been doing that's hyper-violent, over-the-top crazy, built right for the the silver screen, if you will. I'd like to see a Suicide Squad by that team. That could I think be it would cool. be pretty cool. So, I like that uh, one. That'll be my pick. And uh, no, it's a pretty solid pick. Oh, uh, the lightning round's done. I think I think we're out of time. Can I do one more? Can I do one more? Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So I thought the Justice League of America could use a creative team. So I was giving it a little bit of thought, and I and I think one of the coolest things about the Justice League of America is it is, it's like, it's just all the most popular characters that are for, shoehorned into this idea that they're going to be a superhero team just because they're the most popular. That's what it is, for real. So, that's... Well, no, because Cyborg is on that team, and no one likes him <laughs> okay, except okay. Jeff Jones. So, it's it's a tricky thing, though, because you, you're not picking characters that naturally fit together. You're picking just guys that are super popular in their own books. So, you got to make it work. You have to... Not only do you have to be able to handle an ensemble... But you have to be able to handle a very diverse ensemble. And I thought a guy that would be really good at doing that, really good at doing characters. Well, the first thought that came into my head, but he's already done it, was Keith Giffen. But uh-huh. Keith Giffen's been there, done that. What about if we you know, bump this to the 21st century and we get Robert Kirkman to write it? Super character-oriented, super character-driven guy. And then I was like, what would be really fun art to pair up with a Robert Kirkman story? And I thought, let's go back to the original The Walking Dead artist, Tony Moore, and put him on a Justice League book. Bright, colorful colors. It would be crazy good um, because Tony Moore brings so much like energy and you have all these different personalities and styles of heroes. I just feel like... It would look incredible. Like, he did the the Deadpool comic when that relaunched most recently. I think he did, what, six issues until he flamed out. And it looked great. It wasn't a very good story, but it looked great. But here's the thing. Um, Tony Moore and Robert Kirkman hate each other. And I believe... If Tony Moore get fucked on... Walking Dead TV royalties or something? Yeah, he said I that he so. did or something. But he has a co-creator. You can still see his name at the beginning of The Walking Dead, I believe, that I, I don't he's know. on there. I don't mean he's getting the same bank. That's true. Well, I mean, like, let's be real. Should he get the same bank? Like, he quit after six. Did he quit or was he, he went fired? Six issues until Charlie Ardlad, Adler, Adler, Adler. Adler took, took over, right? So... He only did six issues. Yeah, maybe he helped like co-create Ground some characters. Floor. You know, Rick Grimes, Carl, Coral. Everybody else that he created isn't even in the book anymore, right? So like, that's not his fault. That's Kirkman killing all whatever. his characters off. Maybe that was part of the design. The point is, the point is, I don't think that More that like artist Jerkman. <laughs> I don't think that that artist, for doing six issues, should get what that writer that has done every single issue, I don't think they deserve the same thing. Not the same thing, but I think he should still get credit. Uh, he should get credit, but does he not? Uh, no, I, I think his name's in, in the beginning. Of the show? 
I think so. I think right, it is. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think that's why he... it's an uncomfortably long title. I think it's like, and, and... I don't think that's why he sued Robert Kirkman. Yeah. He sued him because he wasn't getting his fair amount of royalties, yeah. and um, he was pissed. So I think that's a pretty good call. It would be it would be really fun, really really fun. It would be very superhero. I'd love to see all these books. I think that they would be while their dream team concoctions made in the McSauce laboratory that could never ever come to pass. I think that'd be fucking awesome. I wish that we lived in a comic book world where we could see all this stuff. Yeah, I don't think there's one book that we talked about tonight where I was like, meh, <laughs> meh, I don't need to see that. Yeah. Even even math stuff, I was like, yeah, that kid nailed it tonight. He's guts, but he nailed it tonight. Oh, I like the Batman one. That was a great pull. I'd love to see that. So. I'd be excited about the about the Bendis one. Yeah, I, I, I won... I want him out of his comfort zone. I want him exactly. to be forced to do something where someone's really looking over his shoulder. Yeah. Well, because the only way he, that he's ever going to get that is to move from a diff, to right, a different. Right, right. That's when he was at it's his no, best. Is to move to DC because if he goes to Image or IDW, they he's know still be king they're still going to be like, do what you want. Yeah. But someone like someone with an inflated ego like Dan DiDio is going to be like. I don't think so, Bendis. Or would he still have, like, is it impossible for Bendis to go anywhere? Because if he goes to DC, he's he's going to be a hired gun. Marvel's not firing if, him. So he goes to DC and they're uh, like, I, do whatever, wave your magic wand and make our characters sell more. I feel like if he goes to DC and you put him on Booster Gold, if you put him on, like, a Booster Gold Blue Beetle team up, yeah, then it's Bendis for days, whatever you want. But if you put Bendis on a Batman book, He's gonna he's gonna have some accountability. Yeah, maybe. And I would love to see that because I I like a lot of Bendis stuff, but I feel like lately he gets too much leeway. Yeah. That's gonna do it for tonight's show. Thanks to everyone for listening. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Casal. I thought I was going second, but that's cool. everyone for listening to tonight's show my name is paul mcginty matt casal and ian sharpley we'll see you next time